until the storm passes by. We'll let the young people go to junior church now at this time. All right. Isaac, can you come here just a minute? Would you do me a favor? Would you give this to Mrs. Scarbell so she can give that to you guys on the, not on the way afterwards? That was my birthday candy, so you can go and pass it out afterwards. Make sure that he makes it to the other side. Okay. <laughs> not that I would think that he'd make a detour, but there's always a possibility. Take your Bibles today and turn with me to the book of Exodus this morning. Exodus chapter 34, the second book of the Old Testament. You have Genesis and then the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, it's called Exodus because the Jews were exiting out of the land of Egypt going toward the promised land in Exodus chapter 34 and we want to read verse number 29 let's all stand as we read the Word of God to give uh, honor and and uh, respect to the Word of God this is God's Word Exodus chapter 34 verse number 29 and it says and it came to pass that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in, in Moses hand when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that his skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your power this morning. And Father, how exciting it is to know that that, that presence and that power can still be felt today and experienced in the lives of your children. Father, we thank you for the power that you have in this world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have given, you've given us that wonderful promise. Father, you're, there, there's the power of salvation that people can still be saved today. People can still know they're on their way to heaven today because of what Jesus Christ did some 2,000 years ago on the cross in shedding his blood as a payment for their sin. And Lord, if they will humble themselves and ask Jesus to be their Savior, today you can still save them. And Father, I thank you today that if we've done something that is, as Christians, that is amiss, Lord, that is sin, Lord, we can come and confess and, and get right with you, and you can cleanse us from our own righteousness, and we can have a new clean slate today. Father, we thank you for all the, the power of you and your word and the blood of Christ. And today I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, how we need to hear from you today. Lord, I pray that we would be open and that we would not shut you out of our life, but, Lord, that we would invite you in and open that door that you might have your will and way in our life. Father, I pray for your words today, your power, because, Lord, without you, we know that there's nothing going to be done 
for eternity. So, Father, I pray that you'd speak. And, Lord, we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. A Sunday school teacher was teaching a group of students about the miracle of the manna when Israel was going from Egypt to the promised land. And remember, for the 40 years that God provided manna every day for, for, the, for the children of Israel to eat, except on that the Sabbath day, they, the Lord would give them uh, twice as much the day before. And, and so uh, as the Sunday school is teaching about why God, how God did this and one of the students asked him, he said, well, why didn't the Lord just furnish for them enough for the whole year, and then he wouldn't have to worry about it for the whole year? Well, the teacher thought for a moment. She says, well, let me give you a parable. Once there is a rich man who had a son, and he had decided to give his son an inheritance uh, once a year. He found that the son would come on that day that he was going to get his inheritance, but the rest of the time, the father would never see a son. So the, the father decided to change his plan, and he decided to give his son just enough for the day of his inheritance. He divided it all up, and he would give his son a portion of the inheritance each day. Amazing thing happened. Each day, the son would come to the father and be there because he would get his inheritance for that day. You know, that's how the Lord is with us. The Lord desires for us to have a fellowship with him on a daily basis, on a regular basis. You know, God has always wanted to have a personal relationship with mankind. <clears throat> when he created Adam and Eve, God would come down daily and talk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the, cool of the day, the Bible says. How special that time must have been to talk with the God who created all the universe, all the animals, all these different things. Think about that for a moment. If you wanted a question answered, you say, well, Pastor, I've got my Google now. I can answer. I, it'll tell me all. Have, have any of you ever used it as a GPS to get you from one location to another and gotten in the wrong directions? Yeah. Found out one time I was going trying to find a place, and it was, gave me the wrong directions. I was way away from where I needed to be. May I share with you that God, the God of creation, would never give Adam and Eve the wrong direction. He would always give them the right answer. And God came, and the Bible says in Psalm 1611, it says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. Could you imagine the joy of being with God every day? But when sin entered into the world. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When sin entered into the world, it changed everything. Adam was no longer looking to have fellowship with God. In fact, he hid himself so that he wouldn't have to be around the Lord. The joy that Adam and Eve once knew of walking in the light where God walks was gone, and now the light exposed their sin. So rather, they would rather hide. Remember, they hid themselves, and they tried to hide their, their physical nakedness with fig leaves. You know, can I share with you today, God still desires to have an intimate, vibrant relationship with people. God desires to have a relationship with you. 
God's arms are always extended and willing to receive those who would come to him to have daily fellowship. But you know, sometimes this is a one-sided proposition. Because God, though his arms are extended and saying, come, come unto me all you that labor, Jesus said, and I will give you uh, labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's inviting people to come. Behold, Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door, the door of your heart, and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. God extends his arms, but so often God's arms are, uh, though they're extended, we're not willing to come and enjoy daily fellowship with God. We want God when we're in a jam, but we don't want him to get too close. Because Sometimes people, the reason why people don't want God to get too close, they don't know what God's going to expect of them. They're afraid of how he will affect their life. Well, let me ask you a question. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. In fact, if you want to flip over there for a moment, keep your finger here in Exodus, but go over there for a second. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23. As you consider this portion of scripture, see how many of these things seem to be bad things. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 talks about what happens when you allow the Lord to come into your life and the change that he begins to do in your life and what becomes part of your life. You tell me of these things which seem to be bad. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit, or the evidence, the working, if you would, of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, God's Spirit living inside a, a believer is this, love. Is love a bad thing? You know what? It, love is an amazing thing. You know, when you love someone, uh, you know uh, it really affects a person. I remember when our youngest son, Chad, was in the hospital and when he was born and, and he had tubes and all sorts of wires going around him and, and uh, they were having some, had some complications at birth and, and when we would come in and, and uh, the, the doctors were there and the nurses and they were telling, telling them, you know, it's okay and everything like that, it didn't, it, it didn't affect him as much as when mama and daddy came in. And when we came in and he heard our voice, Man, all of a sudden, you could watch the, the, the monitors going, boom, 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 I mean, the, the heart monitor was just going, ah, 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 and I mean, it was just bouncing all over the place. You say, what? He was getting so excited. You know, they've done studies of, of children, babies like that, different studies of when uh, children are loved and when children are isolated. When the children are loved, they grow and they mature and so forth. And isolated, when they're isolated, they start to withdraw. Same thing is true with us. When you and I, when, we, when people love us, you know what? We flourish. But when we're isolated, what happens? We start feeling like nobody cares about us. Nobody loves us. Love is not a bad thing. And what we see today from Hollywood is not love, folks. It's lust. That's a world of difference. Lust says, I can't wait to have. Love says, I'm going to do the best for the object loved. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to do that which is good, not to hurt. But God says, when he comes to live inside, what is produced out of our life is love. 
and we have it in our life. Notice, and joy. Well, what about joy? Is joy, joy a bad thing? How many say, oh, joy is a bad thing? Say, oh, well, you know what? When the Spirit of God starts working in your life, you start having joy. Joy is a good thing. How about peace? There's a lot of people today that are looking for peace. Well, I wish I could have peace, peace of mind. I've got so many things going in my life and overwhelmed. Can I tell you, when you yield and surrender your life to the Lord, God will give you his peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, is fixed on thee because he trusteth in thee. When you trust in God and you live for God and you do what God says, you will find his peace. The hope of America, the hope of the world, is not the leaders of our nations. It's Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. He can give peace. So, Pastor, there's no way you can have peace. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. If you will come to that place and you will surrender your life to the Lord, he can bring peace into your life. Is that a bad thing? Well, I don't think so. How about long-suffering, having a long fuse? Hey, Pastor, I just... You, maybe you're like this, maybe you're not. Maybe you know somebody like this. It doesn't take much to light their fuse. Boom! And all of a sudden they're angry. Well, you know what? When you get saved, when you have Jesus Christ into your heart, what happens is the Spirit of God helps you to have a long fuse. Say, wow, Pastor, I, I need a long fuse. You need Jesus is what you need. Because that's what he produces in a life. Long-suffering gentleness. Oh, real, real men are not gentle. You remember John Wayne? You know, you got John Wayne. He's, you know, he's... Can I tell you something? That's all fictional, people. Real men don't cry. Really? Hmm. I think Jesus Christ cried. Yeah. The Bible says Jesus wept in John eleven thirty five. 35. Couldn't get more real men than Jesus. See, a lot of times we don't cry because of pride. Pride. What are people going to think if I weep? How about weeping over your sins, weeping over your family because of the direction of your family? Can I tell you something? The Bible talks about the fact that gentleness. We can have a little more gentleness. gentleness. Men, ladies, it would be nice to have men that are gentle toward you. Well, baby, just jump that, jump that river. Hey, you can, I mean, tell you, ladies, um, you can work that jackhammer like all the guys. I remember going into a store, and this one lady, I, I just opened the door for this lady. She says, oh, I can do it myself. I said, yeah, you sure can. And I still held the door open. Folks, can I tell you something? Probably someplace along the line, she was waiting for somebody to treat her that way and didn't have that. But when Jesus comes into life, he changes those thinking, that way of life. Gentleness, goodness, being good, being good. So, Pastor, a lot of people are not good. Maybe you're not good. I'm telling you, when Jesus gets into your life and gets a hold of your life, you start becoming good because he's working in there. Goodness, faith. Faith, that's belief, trust. Trust in who? God. I can trust in my God. I can trust that there's a power that's higher than me. It's called God. You know, one of the things people talk about going to uh, AA, and one of the things about AA, it's helped a lot of people, but can I tell you something? 
it's more than just believing in a higher power. Some people say, well, just believe in that mountain. That mountain's higher than you, and it'll give you strength. That mountain's not going to give you no strength. It has no power to do that. But Jesus can. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Meekness, veiled strength. That's what he talks about, being meek. Temperance, self-control. How about self-control? Hey, we got people that are out of control today. How can you, how can they become con under control? Get saved. How can children who are out of control, I mean, we, we, they're bouncing off the walls. Can I tell you something? When they get saved, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. The, the, look what it says. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Uh, can I tell you something? These are all the things that God says when his spirit begins to take control of your life. That's what is produced in your life. Those all sound like pretty good things to me. Jesus Christ coming into your life can make a difference. As we think about this today, some people say, well, you know what? I don't want to get too close to the Lord. So you're going to miss out on all this? Because you don't want to get close to the Lord? It's only when you get close to the Lord that he can work in your life. He can cleanse your life. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of spending time with the Lord, allowing God to control your life. In our text that we have this morning, we have a man by the name of Moses who was in the presence of the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. What do we notice about that encounter of spending time with God? We can see three important things, I think, that, that we can take away from this portion of Scripture. Go back with me to Exodus chapter 34, verse number 29. First of all, we notice that there was a change which took place in Moses. There was a change which took place in Moses. Look at verse number 29. And it came to pass that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that his skin of his face shone while he talked with him. While he talked, that him there is referring to God. Moses had been up on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. He had received the Ten Commandments. God had written on there, the Bible tells us, that God had written with his finger the Ten Commandments. He wrote words on some rock. Could you imagine what it would do for those scientists today if they would have those original Ten Commandments? Boy, they'd be investigating how, you know, what, is, what was the molecular structure of God's finger? Who cut this out? And, and We don't have that today. We have it in, recorded for us in the Word of God. But Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights and spending time with the Lord, 40 days and 40 nights in fellowship with God. If we look at verse number 28, look back there, just one verse. It says, and he was there, talking to Moses, was with the, he was with the Lord. 40 days and 40 nights, he did neither eat bread nor drink water. Moses, for 40 days and 40 nights, didn't eat any food and he didn't drink any water. You say, Pastor... I'm telling you right now, that's impossible. It's impossible for a man to go three days at, without water. Why? Because science tells us that. Well, can I tell you something? What you have here is simple. It's a miracle. The God who made this body can make it so this body can go for 40 days and 40 nights without any water and any food. Remember when Jesus was talking to Satan in Matthew chapter 4, and, and Satan wanted Jesus to turn. He, Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and same thing. And he, he was afterward a hungered, 
And Satan says, well, turn this rock to bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The word of God is more important to mankind and for mankind than our daily food. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you know what? This is now 10 minutes to 12, and, and you've got to get done with this thing because you know, my stomach's starting to growl. That's okay. You'll, you'll live. You'll live. Hey, this is more important than that T-bone steak that you've got there. The mashed potatoes and gravy and the apple pie and the, the, the I'm teasing you. I tell you what, all of a sudden, some of you set up and say, yeah, Pastor, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. May I share with you? Moses was feasting on the words of God for 40 days and for 40 nights. When was the last time that you feasted on the words that came out of this book? When was the last time? When you got alone with God and you said, you know, God, I'm going to set aside everything just so I can spend some time with you and you speak to me and I'm just going to pray to you and I'm praying is just communicating with God like I'm communicating with you. It's just talking to God. God, I just want to spend some time and, and pour out my heart to you and the burdens and the things that are going on in my life. When was the last time you did that? So, well, Pastor, don't you understand we live in a fast-paced society? And we want everything instant. We want everything to go this way and that way. I can guarantee you the devil will fill your day so you have no time to spend time with God. Because he doesn't want the fruit of the Spirit to be evidenced in your life. He doesn't want you to have joy and peace and love. He doesn't want you, Satan doesn't want you to have that stuff. He wants you to be all bound up, and he wants you to be fearful, and he wants you to, 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 to be confused. That, the Bible says that God is the author of peace, not of confusion. For 40 days and 40 nights, Moses was there with God, just Moses and God. How awesome it must have been to be able to ask God, the God of the universe, any of his questions in God's presence is fullness of joy. But notice verse number 29. That when he came down from the mount, the Bible says, Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. That word shone means to shine, to send out rays. There was a difference which took place outwardly because Moses had spent time with God. Inwardly, that which was inward, we worship God in spirit and in truth. When we spend time with God, there's an inward effect that it has on us. God always works inside out. Moses was a changed man. Moses was a changed man. Before he went up on the mountain, his face didn't shine. But when he spent that time with God, there was a difference there was a difference. The glory of the Lord shone through. It's, it's referred to as the Shekinah glory. It's kind of like that same glory that Adam and Eve had before they sinned. Remember the Bible talks about back in Genesis chapter 3 that with Adam and Eve, uh, they, didn't have, they didn't wear any clothes before they sinned. But after they sinned, then they, they, uh, they took fig leaves and tried to, to clothe themselves. What was it that, that covered them? That spending time with God, that inward Shekinah glory, that glory of God shone through them and covered them. 
When we have been with Jesus, a change begins on the inside, which will radiate outwardly. God always works from the inside out. He starts in our spirit and works outwardly. See if I can get you to understand this a little better. Dalen, can I get you, Brother Randy, can I get you to come up real quickly? And Brother Scott, can I get you to come up real quickly? See if I can help you. The Bible tells us that we're made up of three parts. The body, the soul, which is our mind, emotions, and will, our reasoning, and our spirit. And I want to try and have you to picture in your mind for just a moment. Brother Randy is going to picture for us a circle, if you would. The circle that kind of goes, Brother Scott, I'm going to have you right here. You're going to be in the middle right here. A big circle out here. Brother Randy is going to represent for us the body. Kind of a big body, so you can understand that. Amen? Okay? Tall guy. He's a big guy. Here, imagine another circle that goes around in the inside. Now, you've got the body on the outside. This middle circle here is the soul. Mind, emotions, and will. Our reasoning comes out of this area right here, this middle circle. This one right here is the spirit. When God created man... In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he created man, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. You say, well, pastor, that goes against evolution. Absolutely. You weren't a tadpole and then came up. No, you were a special creation. Every one of you is a special creation of God. Amen. You're not a mistake. Amen. You're a divine creation of God Almighty who created all things. He created man. He created man's body. And then he did this. He breathed into him the breath of life. His spirit came to live in this spirit right here. And it became a living soul. He had mind, emotions, will, reason. The Bible says, as the body without the spirit is dead. When You, have, you can have a body and... and Scientists and doctors know that you can have a body and you can keep the body functioning, but if the spirit's gone, that person ceases to exist. They've actually tried to weigh and see what the spirit is, how much it weighs. How foolish. It's a spirit. You stop thinking and so forth when your spirit is gone. Body, soul, and spirit. When Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned, God's spirit had been with Adam's spirit. At that point, it was shut off. The spirit of God left. And man was shut off toward God. Well, he had a body. And we have a spirit. Everybody does. In order to be functioning as a, as a human being, you have to have a spirit. It still has mind, emotions. It's still a soul. But it's shut off toward God. When a person gets saved, this is what happens. When a person asks Jesus to be their Savior, this is what happens. God's Spirit, once again, when I say, you know what, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. And I believe that Jesus Christ, your Son, came and died on a cross for my sins. I want Him to be my Savior today. God's Spirit comes back once again to live in our spirit. He gives us a new life. Things are different, as we shall say. 
And God always starts from the inside and works outwardly. When that happens, it's amazing what God can do. A lot of times, when this old body, when this, you know, if I cut myself, I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to start dealing on the, on the outside. We have a lot of people dealing with trying to uh, drug addictions and those different types of things. Well, it's a, it's a disease. No, 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 folks. Can I tell you something? It goes all the way back to this part over here. This part is where the problem is. If this part would get fixed, then it would affect all the way out to this part out here. Thank you, guys. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, talking to Christians, he says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. This body houses, if I'm a child of God, houses God inside. And I'm not my own. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus works from the inside out. A Buddhist monk in Ceylon was acquainted with both Christianity and Buddhism. And one day he was asked by a Christian, he says, so what's the great difference between Christianity and Buddhism? And this was his reply. He says, there's much good in, mo in both Buddhism and in Christianity, as he says, I think all religions. But what seems to me to be the greatest difference is that you Christians know what is right and have the power to do it. While we Buddhists know what is right, but we have no such power. You know, that's true. Religions of the world try to work their way to create a, themselves to become righteous. The Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none of us that are righteous. There's none of us that are good. And so how can we change ourselves? We can't in our own power. But God, loving you and loving me, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into a world Jesus was, had never sinned. He came, he lived a sinless life that he might die on the cross and shed his blood as a payment for your sins and mine. And when we acknowledge the fact that we're a sinner and we ask Jesus to come into our life and God's spirit comes to, into our life, he makes us a different person. It's not because of our grace. It's not because of our truth. It's because of his. That's what made Moses different. God working in him. Moses was changed outwardly because God had done a work in, inwardly. What work has God done in your life as a Christian? You know, there's some people say, well, I'm a Christian pastor. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I, I prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to be my Savior. Can I tell you something? That's pride right there. Oh, I prayed a prayer. No, no. Can I tell you something? To be a Christian is more than just praying some words. 
if we believe in our heart that uh, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the, the dead, thou shalt be saved. That word confess means it, it's, it's more than just saying, oh yeah, I believe the words. No, no, no. That word confess means this. That means I come into agreement with God. That's what it means. I come into agreement with God. And I say, God, you know what? I know I'm a sinner. And this direction of my life is a vile direction. It's a wicked, evil direction. And I realize that the wages of sin is death. I know I deserve to die and go to hell. But I believe that you sent Jesus Christ, your son, into this world to die for me, a sinner. And I don't want to live this way any longer. I want a different life. And when I put my trust and faith in Jesus and his shed blood, the Bible says in Romans 10, uh, 9, 10, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I don't want to live this way any longer. I want to live following Jesus Christ. See, that's what true biblical salvation is all about. This is what some people do. Oh, I'll pray a prayer. I've bowed on my knee. I've prayed my prayer. I've done my thing. I come over here. And you know what? There's never a change in your life. There's nothing different. Hey, that fruit that we were talking about earlier, the love, joy, peace, there's none of that there. The reason why it's not there is because you're really not saved. Because you really haven't turned away from the old life. You just said some words and it didn't change you. But when you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, it changes you. It changes you. Are you the same person that you were before you got saved? So-called got saved? Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes into your life, it's a different change. It's a life that's different. Look at the second point we see here in this portion of Scripture back in Exodus chapter 30, or excuse me, chapter 34, verse number 30. Others notice the change which took place in Moses. It says here in verse 30, and it says, And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh unto him. Aaron and the children of Israel, they saw a difference in Moses. He was not like he was before. He was different. Before you were saved, as I said, we were a sinner. We were walking in darkness. We didn't know any different. We, you know, go to drink and smoke and drugs and, and, and carouse and do all that type of stuff. That, that's the old way of life. We didn't know anything different. Our hearts, the Bible says, as I said earlier in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We just followed our heart. That's what the world tells us. That's how we used to live. All of us did. We were self-centered and we wanted our own way. As Isaiah 53, 6, as I've quoted already, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And, but the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But after Jesus comes in, after Jesus comes in, we ask Jesus to come into our life. It's a different life. Look with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. God makes us a new creature, a new creation. Look what it says. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, you know, I wish I had a new beginning. My life is all messed up. I wish I could just start afresh. Huh, you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, look what it says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, you've asked Jesus to be your Savior. It's the idea here. 
He is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Hey, this old life. I don't want that life anymore. I'm reckoning myself. The Bible says where I'm to reckon myself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. I don't want this way anymore. I don't, I'm not going that direction anymore. I am a new creature. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because Jesus Christ, he died on a cross. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Oh, can I tell you something? That's only part of the gospel. If Jesus died, just died on the cross, he would pay this price for our sins. But, that was, but he did much more than that. He was buried, and the third day he rose again. And because he rose again, he declares us righteous. We're justified by faith that we can walk in newness of life. The new life by his power, not our own. He comes to live inside us. Oh, you know, a lot of people, they have Jesus on the cross, and they say, I just want to remember Jesus dying on the cross. Oh, but I'm so glad that he rose from the dead. Hey, that's what makes Christianity so different than any other religion. They can come and they can go back and say, well, you know what, here's the tomb of our founding father. They come to Jesus and they come to an empty tomb. He's not here, he's risen. And because he lives, Jesus said, because I live, you too shall live. And he gives us new life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I yield my life to Jesus Christ, and I say, God, I surrender my all to you, He's already living in me when I ask Jesus to be my Savior. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. He's changing my life, my thinking, my direction, my goals. He's helping me in my life. He's giving me wisdom. If I lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, freely. God, I need your wisdom today. God, I need your strength today. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Philippians 4. Verse 13. He gives us strength, gives us wisdom. He gives us a new heart. Look with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. You say, Pastor Ezekiel? Yeah, it's in the Old Testament. Ezekiel. It's one of the major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then the book of Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. This is what the Lord does. He says, I give a new heart also, a new heart also will I give you. He's talking ultimately to the nation of Israel, but the principle is the same for Christians. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away that, the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. You say, what's that? A stony heart. You say, what's a stony heart? A heart that's cold and indifferent. Man, there's no joy. There's no peace. There's no, they're, they're, the people are mean and nasty. You say, well, I, it's just the way I am. I was raised this way. You know, when I was growing up, I had such a hard life, and it was a mean life. Can I tell you something? When Jesus Christ comes to live in your life, you know what he does? He takes away that whole stony heart, and he gives you his heart, and it's soft and it's pliable once again to start to feel, once again, his love, his joy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. Notice what it says in the next part. He restoreth my soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will. You know, some people have been hurt by what people have said, what people have done. May I share with you that when you let the Lord take control of your life, what he begins to do is he begins to start from the inside and starts from his spirit, begins to start working on your mind, your, emotion, your emotions and your will to restore like it used to be with Adam and Eve. That's pretty amazing. That's a, only God can do this. I remember talking with a psychologist when I was in high school and he was coming, talking to young people and he was telling them, he says, they had one of these uh, speaking classes in, in, in uh, mass media and they said, you can bring all the different speakers you want and he was telling the kids, you can bring special speakers. And I said, man, this is great. I'll bring, I know a whole lot of different speakers. I know one that works in television and I know one that, they're Christian, by the way. And I know one that works in radio, Christian, by the way. Uh, I know one that was a, that was a, that worked with the mob. I thought that, you know, I could bring any speakers I wanted because it was mass media. And so I brought these different Christians in. Guess what? They all talked about one thing, their life and what it was and how that God could change their life. So the teacher says, well, I've got to bring one of the speakers. This guy, he's, he's, he's just bringing all these Christians in. Hey, I was looking for doors of opportunity. The Lord opened them, and I was walking through them. So he brings in a psychologist, and the psychologist is talking to the young people. He says, now, young people, let me just tell you. We have, you know, we have a special cl uh, clinic down here, and if any of you kids need to have condoms and you need all this, you know, that uh, birth control pills, just come down there and we'll give it to you free of charge. And he's talking about now we're all going to get together and we're all going to start talking together and, and we're going to all think positive thoughts. I'm sitting here listening. Oh, boy. Here we go. He went through his spiel and he was talking about, you know, all these different things. And after all the kids were gone... I came up to him and I said, sir, you know, that was an interesting talk that you gave. And I could have said that's ludicrous because it was. Oh, we, we, need, to, we need to stop uh, abortions and all that type of stuff. If we stop telling people that it's okay to shack up with everybody, it would stop that stuff. But I told him this. I said, sir, I said, you know, in, in your talking, you talked with these young people and you worked in two areas. Remember that little picture here? You worked in the physical, and you looked at the emotional. But I said, you missed the most important part, and that's the spiritual. And I said, you can come here and try to work on the, the emotional side and the physical side all you want, but it's only a Band-Aid. You need to come back here to the spiritual, and the only person who can help with the spiritual need of a person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when Jesus comes into a life, he will do things that you could never touch and you'll never be able to touch. He just sat there and looked at me like he had nothing to say. Folks, that is the way it works. If you need a change in your life, Jesus Christ can make that change in your life. And it will change and other people will notice that it's a change. It's not just a five-minute change. It's not like a band-aid just being on there for a No, no, no. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That old hard heart, all of a sudden now, starts having compassion toward other people. In fact, if you look at one more thing, look, consider this. It instills a desire to live for others. 
Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Look over there, Romans, in the New Testament. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Romans 15, verse 1 and 2. He's talking here to Christians. He says, We then that are strong, strong in the Lord. Not just strong physically. It has nothing to do with physical strength. It has to deal with those who are strong, those who know the Lord and know what God says, and they're doing what God says, then they that are strong ought to bear the infirmity, the hardships, the, the, the things, the, the troubles of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It's not so I can get what you've got. It's what can I do to help bear your burden? How can I come alongside and be an encouragement and a help to you? How can a believer be content to be saved and to live the old way of life? How can he? What benefit, it, what benefit is it to live the old way of life, which only satisfies the desires of our flesh. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. When I'm living for my flesh, it's an empty, vain life. Do others notice a change that's come into your life by you allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to live his life through you and to control your life? Someone has said this. I think it's great. The best argument for Christianity is a consistent Christian life. There is no argument against the silent eloquence of holiness. Actually, a lighthouse building would be dangerous, but for the light it sheds abroad, and so it is with us. We may be lighthouses without light. Ships can break themselves on the rock. It is not merely what we say or what we do, but what we are that matters. That is the witness that is convincing. The greatest thing about us is not our, or excuse me, is often our unconscious, unconscious influence. 2 Corinthians 4.11 says that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Manifest is a word meaning brilliantly seen. We may accomplish more by our radiations, the light shining through us, than by our exhortations, the words that come out of our mouth. May God make us luminous Christians. People say, are you a Christian? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then you live like the devil. Can I tell you something? Your life doesn't show anything. It shows that Jesus Christ is an immoral, wicked person. If that's what your life is about. Can I tell you something? It's not what Christianity is about. You haven't been reading the Bible. You haven't been studying what God says. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. If you're not walking in the light, can I tell you something? You're walking in darkness, and you better check out and see if you're even saved. Because God's not playing a game. And folks, may I share with you, Christianity is not a game. It's reality. It's reality. It's life-changing reality. Others could see the change in Moses. They saw his face that he'd spent time with the Lord. Look at the third thing. Moses gave to others the word which God had given to him. Go back to that portion back in Exodus 34. 
Exodus 34, verse 32. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out, notice, and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. Moses gave to others what the Lord had given to him. We're to be the same way. As the Lord fills us up with his word and his love, we're to share it with others. John chapter 7, verse 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on to say in Mark 10, 8, he says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. What God has given to you, what God has spoken to you through his word, you ought to share with others. As we give to others, our spiritual well may run dry. Run low, let's put it that way, run low. As you give out, I guarantee you, there'll be times when you say, well, I don't have much more to give. But you know what? When you come to Jesus and say, Lord, I need a fresh filling of your spirit. That's why when we come to church, that's why when we hear the preaching of God's word, that's why when we're in fellowship together around the word of God and, and loving God, can I tell you something? God fills our cup so that we might be able to share with others what God has, has shared with us. Maybe today you have begun to share with others what the Lord has shared with you, and you feel, you say, well, Pastor, I can't because I, I feel inadequate. I don't know enough of the Bible. You know, as you look at the text that we find, what God shared with Moses, Moses shared with others. The same is true for us. As you spend time in God's Word, you ought to share what God has shared with you with others. You know what will happen? Your faith will start growing. Your faith will start growing. As God speaks to you through his word, share it with others. Have you been in the presence, as we conclude today, have you been in the presence of the Lord lately? Is God changing your life from the inside out? Do others notice a difference in your life? And are you giving out what the Lord has given to you? So, Pastor, you know, I, I don't know. I think if you stop and you pray and say, God, please show me, I think he will. I think some of us, God's been speaking to you today. So, you know, there hasn't been a change in my life since I got saved. Well, can I tell you something? Maybe it's because the spirit of God has not come into your spirit. Therefore, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what God says, not Pastor Walker. That's what God says. And he starts changing your mind, your emotions, your reasoning and thinking. And it will affect where you, how your body is. Things I used to say, don't say them anymore. The place I used to go, don't go there anymore. Why? Because there's been a great change since I've been born again. Dear Christian, are you sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with others? Oh, it's wonderful. It's a life-changing message. I pray that you have Jesus as your Savior. 
and that you're sharing them on a daily basis. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for this day, for the opportunity of being able to come into your house and to study your word. I pray, Lord, today that you would cause us now to stop and to think about our own life. There may be folk that are here today that they've heard about what happens in a heart and life of a person, the love of the the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. They say, you know what? That's what I want in my life. I'd like to have a new beginning, a new start. God, you've promised that. And those that come to you, you will in no wise cast out. Father, I pray today that there's one without Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they'd realize, as your word has said, that they're a sinner. They've done things wrong. They need a Savior today. You've sent a Savior the only Savior, Jesus Christ, to die for their sins, to shed his blood. Father, I pray right now that you would open their heart, their understanding, that they might realize that they can be a different person by receiving Jesus as their Savior, being willing to turn from their sin and turning to Jesus Christ. They can't clean their life up and then turn to Christ, Lord. They just need to say, Lord, I need you and I want you. Lord, please clean up my life. Forgive me of my sins, and then begin to walk in that new light. With every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around today, maybe you're here like that today. You say, Pastor, I need a change in my life. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. And I need a Savior. I want Jesus to be my Savior right now. You can ask Jesus to be your Savior. He wants to be your Savior. He wants fellowship with you. He wants to bless you and work in your life. But you must open the door. Right now where you're seated, you can pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. You can pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I want Jesus to come into my heart and my life and save me. I want to turn from my sin. I want Jesus to make me a new creature. I want his, your spirit to do a work in my life. In Jesus' name. With no one looking around, if you prayed and asked that prayer, that is the greatest prayer you could ever pray because it opens for you a new resource, and that is to become a child of God. And right now, if you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, I'd love to pray for you as you begin your new life as a Christian. Would you allow me to do that? If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior today, would you do me a favor? Just slip your hand up for just a moment with no one looking but myself. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Is there anyone else? God desires to work in your life. Do great things in your life. Is there anyone else? Dear Christian, let me ask you, do others see a difference in your life? Do they see a difference because Jesus has made a difference? Oh, I'm guaranteeing you, when Jesus makes a difference, people will notice. It's a life-changing difference. If there hasn't been a difference since you've been saved, let me encourage you. You need to come today to the altar and get things right with God. Maybe there's a sin that you've not been willing to give up. Maybe you haven't been willing to surrender to God the control of your life. Until you do so, you're not going to progress. You won't move any further. God will always take you back to that same point. 
Maybe you've got bitterness. People have, been, people have hurt you, and you won't allow that freedom. Let me ask you today, as you come, that you would come and, and get things right with God. Dear Father, we pray for the hand that was raised this morning that asked Jesus to be their Savior. Father, how wonderful, how wonderful that is to know Christ as their Savior. Pray, God, you'd help them as they walk in this new life. And Lord, I pray for Christians today that, that there's areas that they can, Lord, yield to you. Maybe some have not yielded as they ought to. You've been talking to them about it for a while, but they've told you no. May today be a breakthrough for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. The instrument's going to begin to play. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior today, it is the greatest decision you could ever make. Well, let, me add, let me encourage you. We're having what we call an invitation time. It's a time if you have asked Jesus to be your Savior, let me encourage you to come. We have a counselor that can take the Word of God and show you without a doubt you're on your way to heaven and help you to, to understand how God, what God expects for you today. We have some people that are going to be getting baptized here in just a minute. In fact, they can come forward right now. And if they come down this side over here, they'll, we got the guys will come, come and, and the folk will come. They're already on their way. Amen. I'm excited about this. Aaron, if you can come on this side. Here we go. This guy right here, the dinosaur man. He can help you with that on that side. If you've, if you've never made a decision for Jesus to ask him to be your Savior, come today and be saved. If you've never been baptized since you've been saved, come. Christians, if you don't have the love and joy and peace like you know you should, you need to come to the altar down to these steps this morning and just pray and talk to God. You don't have to confess your sin to me. Confess it to God. God wants to work. Revival starts when God's people get a hold of the throne of God and yield to God. Brother Scott, what song do you have for us to sing?